Part one in the books. Here comes part two of covering the Commonwealth. Yep, we're copying this idea. Covering the Commonwealth. A look at the locally interesting teams and stories from the experts who cover them. Let's start with JMU. With Shane Metlin of the Harrisonburg Daily News Record. Shane, a pleasure to be speaking with you. JMU men's and women's basketball. First of all, they finally announced the Sunbelt MAC Challenge matchups earlier today. How much do you like the delay in getting to these so that you get the most compelling matchups from a television standpoint, but more importantly, a boost in your resume perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think that was really the point because you, you wanted to get your top teams a couple of good games. Both conferences did. Um, and the preseason rankings really didn't shake out, especially in the MAC. So um, this gives you a chance to kind of reset it. And, you know, for the MAC and the Sun Belt, JMU and Akron have kind of been the leaders in the net rankings for the whole year. Those are the two that... <laughs> would have any shot at possibly sneaking in with an at-large bid. Oh, that's a long shot right now. But, you know, now they get a game against each other. And uh, for, for Akron, that's a shot at a, you know, quad one type of road win. JMU, it depends on where Akron finishes. But um, it, it's a good game, and it should be just really fun to see two good teams play against each other, which, you know, if you like college basketball, what's better than that? What's well, also fun for the JMU Dukes, so the fact that they got a 15-point win against Marshall this past weekend. And granted, this herd team is not the one that has made NCAA tournaments in prior years. They're 9-11 and overall, so uh, highly unlikely that they're going to be going dancing, barring a major run in the Sunbelt tournament. But how big was this win for JMU, given especially that they've had injuries and all sorts of adversity, yet somehow they're 17-2? and yeah, I mean, it was a big one. They, they were just in control against, a, you know, a decent team, not a great Marshall team. Like you said, their overall record's not great, but they did start 4-0 in conference. Um, they've lost three in a row now, but they're not bad. Um, so, you know, the control them, be in control, you know, I think they led by 18 at one point. They, they were just, they, they had it won the entire second half, which is what you want to see against, against you know, kind of the mid-tier conference teams, especially at home, is if you can put those kinds of performances together, it shows you have a chance to, to maybe be towards the top when, when it all, it's all said and done. Shane, a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for your time today in the Fast Lane. We'll keep it locked to more at Shane underscore DNR Sports for Shane Metlin of the Harrisonburg Daily News Record. Shane Metland with us here in the Fast Lane. Now to the Radford Highlanders, a man whose voice is hopefully calmed down. Hopefully his blood pressure is back to normal. After the thrilling buzzer-beating victory this past Saturday against USC Upstate as the Radford Highlanders had a lead, lost it, but ultimately pulled it out in the end. Rick Watson, the voice of the Radford Highlanders, back with us once again in the Fast Lane. Rick, have you been able to calm yourself down from that thrilling finish? <laughs> well, it was thrilling, um, and you're right. Radford led throughout basically the entire game, and then credit to Upstate. They made a nice push in the last three minutes, but, you know, it was just a great play. Brian Antoine, who had the court presence to draw the double team and just fire a laser in the corner, which is Daquan's favorite spot, and he knocked down the shot. Second time he's done that, he beat West Virginia, and now he's done it against USC Upstate. So it was sorely needed, I'll tell you that, after losing the first game this past week at home. Gardner Webb, so it's a nice little pick me up before we head out on Wednesday to Asheville to take on the defending champs. Yes, defending champs and one of the top teams in the conference. They're four and one 
in Big South play. The UNC Asheville squad at home, no less, with their 7-1 on the year for Radford. By and large, they're battle-tested. They've gone on the road. They won against Longwood. They had a narrow loss against Winthrop. How ready are they for what awaits an even longer trip to UNC Asheville? Well, we'll find out. I know the, um, the last couple of years since Darius has been here at Radford, we've played Asheville pretty well. But, you know, they possess the ultimate weapon in the conference in Drew Pember, who is the best player in the league by a large margin. And he just brings so many difficulties when you're trying to figure out how to play them because of all the attention you have to pay to him and what that frees up the rest of the starting four. So that's something that I know they've been working on, and not a lot of teams in our league had a lot of success in trying to keep him from doing his damage. So we'll see how that plays out. But you said it best. I think we've seen a lot of guys like this already in the non-conference schedule. It's one of the reasons that there's, you know, wanted to play better competition because of guys like Drew Pember. Yes, a former UN University of Tennessee volunteer. He's that bounce-back player, and it uh, will pose a challenge for the Radford Highlanders, a game that you'll be able to hear in a couple of days on the VTRN Roanoke app, and the man you'll be hearing calling that game is Rick Watson. Rick, thank you for your time today. Travel safely to and from Asheville, and we look forward to chatting again in another week. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate you as always. Go Highlanders. And last but not least, or maybe least, that professional football team in Landover, Maryland, or is it Ashburn, Virginia? Well, it's Ashburn, Virginia, Landover, Maryland, but, I mean, we got to do it. Candy Waller back with us once again in the fast lane. Seawall, why were you not in Baltimore with our friend and yours, Corita Parks, for that Ravens game on Saturday? You know, I said it's been a while since I've actually been in person to do my Inside the Wizards thing. And so I said, you know what? Karita's holding it down in Baltimore. I won't bother with, you know, being in the press box or working. I guess I could have just gone just to be in that atmosphere that was so ridiculously crazy and loud and and fun and cold. But I said, oh, I'll just... Go to the Wizards game, and then by the end of the Wizards, the, the night of the Wizards game, I was like, I have no idea why I made this decision. <laughs> it did not go to the Ravens game. No question about it, because ultimately that was a fun game on Saturday for Ravens fans and for the Washington Commanders. They hope to get back there sooner than later. We know Adam Peters is the general manager. How soon are you anticipating that a formal head coaching decision will be made, or? Is there still a little bit of time to be done, especially given Rooney Rule complications? Not that that's bad, but the reality that that's also part of it, that that, for good measure, I would say, is delaying the process. I think it's it's the fact I really think that's that's what what is happening. Um, and, And to take folks back a bit, just last season, how this operates, where... Eric Bieniemy, you know, of course, was with the Kansas City Chiefs at the time. Nothing can really be talked about. Nothing was really shared. Then after they won, meaning the Kansas City Chiefs, then it was able to move forward um, almost immediately with the announcement of him as the offensive coordinator. It's the exact same thing that um, we saw last year. It's happening now in terms of just those top candidates are still playing football. And so whenever... um, one of their seasons is over, I think um, we'll get the announcement. 
That will happen sooner than later. A lot of people think it could be Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions. Is he the favorite in your eyes and in the eyes of most covering the Commanders? Um, yes. Um, short answer, yes. Um, I will also say, and I know uh, from myself, BTV, um, Mike McDonald from the uh, Ravens is, is uh, a top option as well. I mean, hey, how delighting would it be to see uh, two of the commander's top coaching candidates potentially go head-to-head in the Super Bowl. So, uh, with that being said, either one of those I think would be a great deal for the commanders. It would be something positive for commanders fans. The insight is always positive from Candy Waller, Seawall Sports and Entertainment, Seawall SE on Twitter, CEO Seawall and Seawall Sports on Instagram, and she's also with Bowie TV and gracious enough to join us in the fast lane. Seawall, thank you for your time, and uh, hopefully you're able to enjoy the Ravens game, maybe even in person this coming Sunday. Yeah, we'll see, and I'll talk to you guys again soon. Candy Waller, back with us as always once again here in the fast lane. That does it for us today. A topic we could have asked Candy Waller about is something we may get to tomorrow in the Fast Five at 5-ish. Plus, some of your feedback and Ben Cates of NewsAdvance.com. In the meantime, Trey Lyle VT and Fast Lane Deadline, the socials, and Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Well, those are the socials. As well as wherever you listen to pods. We're back tomorrow at 5 to 6.